0: I don't remember seeing you before.
1: No. You've been away, haven't you? You took a trip with your parents.
0: Well, how did you know?
1: I read about you in the papers. What else do you do? The usual things. You look unusual. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first time anybody ever said that.
0: You keep pretty much to yourself, don't you?
1: Yes, sometimes. Well, neither right now. Oh, here you are, George. Well, Angela.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslit.
1: I'm David Dahl.
0: And this week, we watched the first of the 1951 nominees, A Place in the Sun, starring Montgomery Clift, And sort of starring Elizabeth Taylor. I did the thing again last week where I said starring Elizabeth Taylor and she's a supporting character.
1: (laughs) Yeah, though she's a better cast this time because her role in this one is being so hot a guy makes a series of terrible decisions and murders somebody for her.
0: And also she can never be alone because everyone wants to be around her all the time and she's in the paper for like existing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, at like, which
0: yeah that yes that that makes perfect sense to me
1: <laughs> yeah but yes she's in maybe 20 minutes of this two-hour movie i would say mm-hmm. and they're the best 20 minutes but the problem is there's another hour forty of this movie
0: yeah it also is kind of a message movie the message of which is don't have premarital sex or if you are a woman you will get murdered and if you are a guy you will murder
1: <laughs> yeah i'm a little bit conflicted because it's weird how much of that is supposed to be a commentary on the times and how much of it is screwed by the Hays code but it fundamentally makes this movie suck <laughs> we should get into the plot yeah i
0: mean what i'm gonna say is that actually uh, mm, Saying that it makes it suck is reductive, but not wrong. But yeah, we can talk about that after we go through the plot. Because the plot is going to reveal a lot of what makes it suck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Montgomery Clift, who is also the shitty love interest guy from The Heiress.
0: He sure is. He sure is. I actually have a headcanon where George Eastman is just the grandson of the shitty love interest from... (laughs) the heiress
1: (laughs) that kind of makes some sense yeah he plays the nephew of this rich industrialist who is from a branch of the family that does religious service work and so is poor but he is very ambitious so he when the uncle is like you should come see me sometime and get a factory job immediately quits his job and crosses the country to do that and in that very first scene with the uncle where he goes over to the uncle's house and goes, wow, I don't necessarily fit in with his high class lifestyle. He looks at Elizabeth Taylor for two seconds and goes, my entire life revolves around her now. And like, honestly, fair. <laughs> but once she's out of his eyeline, he starts making terrible decisions. One of which is starting a relationship with a girl named Alice at the factory that he is working at, where he is specifically forbidden from dating anyone from work.
0: Everybody is forbidden from dating anyone from work. It's right. not just George, to be clear. So, like, Alice also would be in trouble... It wouldn't be one of these situations where it's like, oh, well, men or superiors or whatever would be in trouble. They both would probably get fired. And honestly, being the nephew of the factory owner, he'd probably be fine. Yeah, one of the
1: weird things about this movie is that it keeps insisting that because he's from this weird branch of the family, he doesn't have any privilege. He really is an outsider here, except people keep fucking giving him free stuff because his last name's Eastman. (laughs) He has tremendous amounts of privilege.
0: Yeah, like he keeps getting promoted and a raise despite the fact that he visibly sucks at this job. Yeah. Which to be fair, getting a promotion means he doesn't have to do the shitty job he's bad at. (laughs) Right. Anyway,
1: because his last name is Eastman and because he's good at his job, because like the movie really insists. No, no, no. It's that he wrote this report on efficiency that you never hear any details on. Right. But it makes so much more sense that it's just he's the fucking CEO's nephew. Anyway, he gets invited to this party at a house where Elizabeth Taylor goes like, You're distant and mysterious. Let's immediately fall in love. And that happens. But then he goes back to see his girlfriend from the factory. And she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. And now we have come to what is supposed to be the deep conflict that's very difficult for him for this movie. Right. And that's kind of the problem is it's supposed to be a deep conflict that's very difficult for him. And this movie... Occasionally remembers to give a shit about Alice, his girlfriend from the factory. Played by Shelley Winters, doing pretty good work in a thankless part. She's very good in the scene where they have to talk around abortion because of the Hayes Code.
0: I mean, they have to talk around the fact that she's pregnant. Yeah. Because of the Hayes Code. I mean, there is no question about that being what's going on. But even at the most explicit, She goes to the factory owner to try to get money out of him, I guess, for an abortion. It's not super clear. No. But she's like, yeah, so my husband and I are expecting, okay, actually, I'm not married. And you're like, does that also mean you're, okay, no, but you are pregnant. But I guess technically you didn't say I'm pregnant and unmarried.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's a very weird scene, and she's doing good, is all I will say about it in a positive terms. <laughs> she is doing as much as she can and really bringing some pathos to this scene that is, by its nature, supposed to be deeply confusing. Right. You're not supposed to know what the hell is going on in that scene. That section kind of sucks, other than her performance there, because it's trying to build up this impossible situation- that george montgomery cliff's character is in where he loves elizabeth taylor but he is forced to commit to alice and he after frankly way too much prompting by the universe to go and murder her in a lake goes and murders her in a lake there's supposed to be ambiguity about it but another problem with this movie is there isn't ambiguity about it ostensibly, he plans this day out where they go out to a lake, rents a boat under a fake name, goes out there clearly with the intention of drowning her because he knows she can't swim. But then she does actually accidentally fall out of the boat. The argument he makes in court later is, yeah, I did everything to get to the point where I was going to murder her, but I would have taken it back at the last second. If it came to actually murdering her, I wouldn't have done it.
0: Right. But when she fell out of the boat and the boat capsized and I also fell into the water, I did absolutely nothing to try to help her whatsoever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this all happens a little over an hour into the movie. And then the back hour is just him kind of going insane from guilt and getting immediately found out because he's very bad at planning a murder. And then going to prison and finally admitting that he had murder in his heart and then getting sent to the electric chair. Elizabeth Taylor comes in to just nonsensically declare she still loves him just before that happens. But it's like, don't worry, Elizabeth Taylor, you'll find a new guy in like five minutes. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah, if that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like the warden will propose to her on her way out of the prison. Yeah. So she'll be fine. I'm doing this part of the plot outline pretty hastily because I think the actual lion's share of this podcast needs to be talking about Montgomery Cliff's performance. And that I both think it isn't very good and that he's also screwed by the plot of this film. Mm. So Montgomery Clift, I do always feel kind of bad ragging on because he had a bad lot in life, kind of also ran James Dean, including getting into an also ran car accident that instead of killing him, disfigures his face and gets him addicted to painkillers for the rest of his life while he, as many people have said, slowly commits suicide over the course of a decade.
0: Also was apparently closeted gay or bisexual at a time where that was... Not only dangerous to his profession, but more dangerous even than it is now to be found out.
1: But I do kind of think that Montgomery Clift is what I don't like about method acting, because at its best, method acting really provided a way for people to experience the inner life of a character and actually perform from an emotional core rather than sort of doing a series of large gestures that are indicating that I am the sad man now, which acting was for a very long time. (laughs) But at its worst, method acting gives you a line to that sort of inner life of a character and no way to transmit that to an audience. So you have this very deep understanding of a character, but mostly just kind of look constipated. And I think that the core flaw of this movie is that Montgomery Clift is playing a man in deep conflict where you can never really be sure whether he has murder in his heart or not. In a movie where you are sure he has murder in his heart, they directly fucking state it. It's like said over and over again. So there isn't actually any ambiguity here. The thing he is playing is not accurate for the film he's in.
0: So I don't disagree with you that there's no ambiguity, but I feel like the lack of ambiguity comes from music cues, cinematography and directing, which I do think that there are actually some really smart moments in this film directing wise. But I agree that I just don't buy it, I guess, is really what it is. Why is Elizabeth Taylor's character, who is this sparkling socialite that everyone likes, charming and beautiful and apparently pretty smart, in love with this guy who's kind of a boring wallflower who doesn't have anything interesting to say other than I love you? Yeah. Actually, that's so many straight couples. What am I even saying? Like,
1: (laughs) But I do think that when you get to that scene out on the lake, I sort of had this sudden moment of, oh, his entire performance is about this. His entire performance is about this conflict and being kind of dithering and not really knowing what he wants or being able to go after it in any way in this way that leads him to a murder through inaction. And that his entire performance is built around that. And that's a problem because for at least an hour of this movie, that performance then doesn't make any sense. His courtship with Elizabeth Taylor doesn't make any sense because of that performance. Right. And everyone's reaction to the murder doesn't make any sense because of that performance. I read a little bit in the novel, and it seems like his performance is more in line with the novel, that the novel really kind of presses more on the idea of whether he really committed murder here is kind of more ambiguous and that what really screws him is the closeted religious oppressive nature of the people judging him more than necessarily his own actions but in this it's like no man you did a big murder you murdered somebody and that's why you were found guilty of murder (laughs) Is the murdering.
0: And also why you feel bad and also why you feel constantly paranoid that people know and you're going to get arrested. Yeah. And then when it comes to the trial where he's like, well, you know, I don't really think that what I did was murder. It feels strange because it feels like a justification that in the performance is coming from a genuine place, but is inconsistent with what we've seen for the last 30 minutes where he has been scared shitless he's going to be charged with murder (laughs) exactly because he knows he murdered her
1: (laughs) and like the thing that i was saying about method acting and montgomery cliff's method acting is specifically that both james dean and brando are so known for the moment where this internal tension explodes right yeah where there's this moment where they transmit to the audience that oh shit all of this has been going on this whole time right And he never has that moment in this movie. I am sort of torn where the line between that meaning this was a bad performance and the line where this movie not creating a character in George Eastman that is dramatically interesting, like where that line is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Because I'm not sure either. I'm not sure how much of this is his acting choices versus a script that doesn't provide a sensible way of getting from point A to point B.
1: Yeah, and it, uh, among other things, it makes the back half of this movie just tremendously boring. You just sort of are watching him, literally watching him sweat for an hour.
0: Yeah, it made me really anxious. I wasn't bored, but not anxious in the way of, oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. What is going to happen? But more like, I know that it is a matter of time before he gets caught in some way. And I did not read the plot summary before I watched it. And at a certain point, I thought, oh, God, I have to read the plot summary because I have to fucking know when he gets caught because I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Because it is so much sweating. Now, I will say one of the little moments in here that I think is actually quite smart and shows that the director had some good ideas. It was directed by George Stevens. Was when we find out that Alice's body has been found, we find out because George and Angela, Elizabeth Taylor's character... He has asked if they can go somewhere and be alone. And you get the idea that he is going to confess to her and she's going to know what the situation is and why he's being a weirdo. And she says, yeah, let's go get on the speedboat. And then all of her entourage comes with them and will not let her be alone. So they go off and they're whooping it up on the speedboat on the lake. And then you see that happening from the dock where there is a radio and the radio is turned to the news that is talking about this body that has been found and that there appears to be some signs of a struggle because she has been struck in the head and that her male companion is probably still alive and police are looking for him. I liked that that was the way that that was done because there were so many of these moments (laughs) where... The camera is on Montgomery Clift, and you'll have this very anxious, tense, sting music, and he's just wide-eyed looking into the middle distance, and that's really what you're talking about with the method thing, where it's like, yeah, Montgomery Clift absolutely understands what Georgie Smith is feeling in this moment, but I, as a member of the audience, have no fucking idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do think you're right to really point out that radio thing. And there are a lot of... I'm struggling to come up with one off the top of my head right now. But there's another moment with the radio in the dark during his courtship with Alice where there's this sense of the outside world being oppressive and that he's only just sort of escaping this grim inevitability of an outside world I think is actually kind of well done in this movie, but I also think it's well done, but that's weird to me because all of his problems are brought on himself. There's this sense in terms of theme that it just cannot be. George Eastman cannot be happy, that he can only escape from a world that is going to doom him through a bunch of the film, but that's because he actively has sex with a girl And then murders her. Yeah. (laughs) It isn't like some inherent nature of man that he has been caught in. He made bad choices. That's fine. That's a compellingly interesting thing. A protagonist can make bad choices. It's just strange that the movie kind of always frames that as this weird sort of fate.
0: Or like it's not fair. Like, oh, well, if he had known that he had a chance with Elizabeth Taylor, he never would have knocked up that girl in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. That is not a moral to this story. The moral to the story is not don't have premarital sex because you might get someone pregnant and then you have to murder them for a chance to get with Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I am
1: somewhat sympathetic to this movie in that it does seem like The Hayes Code makes that theme incredibly weird. Yes. That to some degree, the novel is trying to implicate people who would judge him for having premarital sex.
0: Right. That I understand. That is a problem, especially in 1951.
1: But the weird thing is, this movie is also judging him for that while also going what man could have done differently which is like i don't a lot of people like a lot of people could do something different
0: yeah yeah yes that's true and i think actually that the introduction of angela as oh fuck I screwed up and knocked up the wrong girl is what takes that away that it is not really that he is worried about the societal implications of having premarital sex and having gotten this girl pregnant the problem is that he wants Angela so he's got to get the other girl out of the way because she's insisting on him Quote unquote, doing the right thing and making a quote unquote honest woman out of her.
1: At its best, this movie kind of implies that, again, I'm really just writing a different movie at this point. <laughs> but like.
0: Fine, I don't mind that.
1: It tips right up to the point of suggesting Alice wouldn't be happy with George either. Yes. She is kind of miserable and forced into this relationship too. And I do think a movie made just a little bit later would be able to go listen the ideal thing is to just have an abortion and have both of them never see each other again because this relationship has fallen apart he does have elizabeth taylor on the side so that's a pretty shitty thing he did really not trying to undo that but both of them would be happier if he went off with elizabeth taylor yeah both george and alice is a viable thing to read from the events of this movie. This movie, just because of the Hayes Code, goes, no, 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 no. Alice wants to be in a stable, loving marriage with a child.
0: And it really forces that through a monologue that she has right before she stands up and knocks the boat over, where she says, we'll love each other again. And I'm like... Y'all banged on the first date. I don't think he loved you ever. Yeah. Before he even knew that you were pregnant, it seemed like... The two of you were kind of annoyed with each other. This is not a situation where they were wildly in love and then they fell out of love with each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A thing I actually quite like in Montgomery Cliff's performance is that first date that they have. He does not seem romantically interested in her. He seems predatory. Yeah, I think that's a deliberate choice and I think it's a good choice in terms of characterization. I think that's right. But then the movie goes like, no, 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 no. This was actually the romance he should have pursued. And it's like, this was never a romance. He was horny. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. And also, how tragic is this that all of this happened to him? And it's like, mm, I don't know, actually, he kind of seems like a horrible fucking dickbag monster. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, I would be OK with that. If that was what this movie was, was the story of a social climbing asshole who took advantage of the first girl who had the hots for him. And then when she wouldn't leave him alone, bumped her off in order to get with the hotter rich girl. That's a story. I believe it. I'd also watch it. And yeah, I would hate the guy, but that's okay because it would be okay to hate that guy. (laughs) Whereas this makes me want to sympathize with George and I don't. Yeah.
1: I keep referencing it because we are just sort of watching it on nights where we can't think of anything else to watch. But this is almost a good Columbo episode. (laughs) This is almost a good episode of a show about a rich dick bag thinking they're going to perform the perfect murder so their life gets easier, and then failing at it because they're actually a rich, talentless dickbag.
0: Right, yes. (laughs)
1: And immediately getting caught by doing a bad murder. That's the movie it would have to be because of the Hayes Code, right? Because it can't actually dig into the ambiguities it would need to dig into to make George a sympathetic character. And so I do think, just go whole hog into this just being a thriller. Right. Just make it a dirty, sexy thriller where this guy wants to bang Elizabeth Taylor so much he does a murder. Because that's effectively what you did anyway.
0: Yeah, and you still get the whole, like, okay, girls, don't have premarital sex, or you might get murdered. <laughs> like, it still gets across the message that the Hayes Code wants it to get across.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a thing I say a shit ton in... This podcast, but by trying to do both, it does neither. Yes. It is not a particularly thrilling murder's tale or a particularly coherent social commentary because it tries to thread that needle, and no part of the movie successfully threads that needle. Right. The only successful parts of the movie are parts that exist firmly in one or the other of those themes. Elizabeth Taylor is firmly in one of those movies and not the other, and that's why she's good. But anything that has to touch both wires just sucks.
0: Yep. Uh, so should we rate this?
1: Yeah, Um. four?
0: Yeah, yeah, that feels... Mm, yeah, I think four. It is too competently made for me to go down to a three. Yeah. As far as, like, cinematography and direction and, like, costumes and set design. One of the moments that is really smart because you were talking about how there are some other ones in there, is that when Alice takes George home that first time, and you have the radio, and you have this shot that stays on the radio in the window for a minute. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And the way that we know that he spent the night is that you hear a rooster, and then you see George sneaking out beyond the window, which I think is actually really smart. I definitely think that George Stevens was trying to do more with a script than was there and he won best director so i think this was one of those cases where instead of it being we just automatically give best director to the guy who directed the best picture they gave it to the guy who did something with not very much (laughs) available to him
1: yeah weirdly i do think it's especially these days. Best Director is kind of consolation prize for Best Picture. Like, we're going to give Best Picture to something else, but we want you to know that you should keep directing and you're doing a great job. Honestly, it feels like that's probably what the award was, but I think it ends up actually being a good example of a movie that... The direction is in fact good and the movie is not great. Yeah. And this is a good argument for the distinction between best director and best picture. Yes. Even though I don't necessarily think the Academy voters intended it that way.
0: Yeah. Don't watch this movie.
1: (laughs) It's too long. I could see a 40 minute cut of this movie. Again, this is a thing I say a lot, but I could see a 40 minute, maybe even a 60 minute cut of this movie that really moves. And that has that sort of thriller quality, has that Alfred Hitchcock Presents vibe mm-hmm. that's watchable. But there's just so much looking at Sweaty Montgomery Clift in between that stuff that just don't watch it.
0: <laughs> yes. So next week, speaking of method actors, yep. <laughs> we will be watching A Streetcar Named Desire starring Marlon Brando and Vivian Leigh and directed by Ilya Kazan so tune in next week i have so many feelings about this film i'm really excited to watch it because i haven't seen it in a very long time i mean
1: like i know the big shots i of course know streetcar but yeah i've never actually sat down and watched the brando streetcar Uh, so yeah i'm excited
0: yeah and until then (sighs) this was a mess yeah
1: it was just a mess (laughs) It wanted to be a movie. I'll say that for it.
0: It really did.
1: It tried its little heart out trying to be a movie. and
0: Yeah, it just wasn't. No,
1: sorry, bud. Try again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.
1: Bye, everybody. Goodbye,
0: Joy.